This is The E-Commerce Leader, a show just for you, the owner of a thriving online business. In this bite-sized episode, Jason and Kyle share a practical tip that every e-commerce leader should know. Let's jump in. Three more today that I think are really just, these are just critical to success. And, um, and these, are, these are habits that I think today everybody would say, of course. I mean, this is, you, you have to have this to be successful in e-commerce. And those that have done it and are looking back on a successful e-commerce career would say, this is what's helped me get there. Um, I think everyone would say that. And so I'm excited about today's topic, but let me just rattle off the, the first um, set. What are we at? Nine? Is this our uh, ninth, 10th, and 11th, maybe? Let's, let's add them this up here. Let's yeah. add them up. So I think so, yeah. First three were an entrepreneurial dream goals beyond money mm-hmm. and going for massive action. Those are the first three habits of e-commerce rainmakers. And uh, in the prior videos, we dive into those. The second, so fourth, fifth, and sixth was customer first mindset, an accurate contrarian theorist mindset, which we explain, I won't go into, but uh, it's a concept of, of mental habit. And then the, the, I guess would be the sixth one was tenacity to endure hard things. Uh, just a tenacious, never quit uh, persistence. Uh, so then what are we at? We're at seven. So seventh was efficiency with time and money. Eighth was resilience, which means ability to recover from difficult situations quickly. Ability to recover quickly from difficult situations. So this resilience was that eight. Uh, and then nine was patience, which obviously, and that's the juxtaposition. You have to be willing to be creative and do something new, but you also have to give it time to succeed. And, uh, so many of our students that we work with really struggle entrepreneurs in general, we struggle with patience. So that's the ninth one. Patience Um, is not our strength, not a virtue of ours. Um, yeah. Um, Okay, so we're up to, what are we up to? 10, 11, and 12. Um, yep. Here we go. Yeah. So, so the 10th one I t- want to talk about today is um, an interesting habit. And um, there's a lot of literature on this. And this is, to me, this is where, if when, we, when Kyle and I meet with new students, and, uh, and this is sort of the preamble to the, to the habit, but when Kyle and I meet with new students and they're struggling, and if we could just guess, like, why are they struggling to make any traction at all? This is the habit they're, they're, they haven't made a connection on. And we really come with no judgment about it. It's not, it's not a criticism. It's just an observation on our part. We're completely and totally sympathetic to uh, people who are stuck um, with sort of a failure in this one habit area. Yep. And um, sure. so we don't come with judgment. Because we've at both all. been there. So, yeah, exactly. And frequently we're there in different aspects. But here's the habit. The I habit get it. Is- <laughs> different, different places we come back to it again. So yeah. here's the habit. The habit is being an innovative disruptor. So innovation. And so because what frequently will happen in e-commerce, especially on the sales side of it, like people who are selling courses and trainings and the $2,000 courses, they will oversimplify to make the sale. Right. 
And so they'll yeah. say to you, look, just plug in Alibaba with Oberlo on Shopify and you'll get rich. And candidly, run one I mean, Facebook ad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Run, oh, yeah. I forgot. Run, run the one Facebook ad. Run one Facebook ad and then it's a so, six figure store. So that model is what people who are desperate want to hear. But yeah. that doesn't work. I mean, you, you might get one out of 100 people who say, oh, that totally worked. And those are the stories the, of success. But, but the reality is anybody who's going to start up an e-commerce business is in the same position as starting up any other business, which is you have to find a way to innovate in your product category or niche in some method. And I'll describe several of them here. Um, uh, forms of innovation, but you just don't succeed with a cookie cutter, generic off the shelf product yep. um, for long. You might for a short period, but not for long. So yep. that's my, that's my initial commentary about innovative disruptor yep. mind, mindset. Yeah. I, I think that's absolutely true. I think people who see, uh, you know, whatever people's courses are happening, they have like their star students that, you know, they, 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 parade out there and show yeah. off but i bet you to a team 90 percent of those students actually took the information that we were given and then they they twisted it and made an innovation to it right. which set them apart and they saw success on that i mean you could even look for example in uh so we've talked about jeff walker's product launch formula and you were in sort of the launch of and videos yeah. and sales process for that yeah. But your model and how you use applied that formula was right. not the norm. Like you did it in a very unique way that set right. you apart and you were innovative in that way. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Point. I, I totally agree. I mean, that is what people are doing. And so I'm not, we're not bashing the big courses. They, they add value, but, but you're right. What you have to do is take the, they do. the, the basic training and then you have to say, how can I, use that to my advantage in my niche or my product section uh, in a, an interesting, innovative way that will give me a reason for the long term yeah. to stand out. And really, it's giving the customer a reason to choose you over other competitors. Exactly. So, um, you know, this to yeah. me, this innovative disruptor, there's obviously Innovator's Dilemma um, is the, the classic book um, by uh, Christensen about... Um, innovation and in entrepreneurship and how to make innovation happen. Um, I, I saw, interestingly, um, Elon Musk is obviously sort of in the news frequently as just this genius innovator disruptor. And somebody interviewed his wife, his ex-wife about Elon. And I was like, okay, that's going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. So, and they were trying to understand <laughs> about Elon Musk by interviewing his ex-wife. And her basic yep. commentary was, if you want to be successful, and the reason he's successful is incredible obsession, like mesmerizing obsession. And I mean, that's, that's it. And I, a lot of times what Kyle and I will hear when we talk to our students is they'll do, they'll say a little phrase that's kind of funny to me when we talk to them. They'll be like, well, this is what I'm selling currently. But I don't really want to sell it. It's not really my thing. It's just kind of what I'm doing right now. And, and, and I, I always think to myself, like, that's just a yellow flag. It's like somebody saying, wait, wait, wait. This person yeah. is not an obsessive 
compulsive product innovator in their niche or industry. And that's just not a business, a long-term e-commerce business, rainmaking mindset. Um, you have to have the opposite. You have to say, look, no one even understands. Like it's kind of, and we've talked about your example and our examples, but like in any niche or industry, any product, if you're a casual observer or even a casual customer, you don't even understand the fine points. You don't even understand frequently yeah. the differences, the nuance in terms of product quality differentiation or, or optionality. And um, so, but when you really start to be obsessive over it, you realize, oh, there's 17 points of differentiation between each of these, you know, types of yeah. uh, products. You know, Kyle, you and Gary did right. that for the Lita Art Journal, yeah. for, for a journal product. Um, I didn't yeah. understand. We were stuck for 10 years without a product. And then once we started on eBay in 2008 for 18 months, we sold a product that was not sustainable. And then when we shifted into the digital goods product that we sell, I didn't even understand that the form factor we were choosing was actually a total disruption in the space and really an innovation. And that's basically the idea of in the sewing industry, going from paper patterns where you have that tissue paper and in a little package to going to a PDF document that you run through your printer and you use eight by eight and a half by 11 paper as your pattern pieces that you can just cut out that or fashion and just have this idea. But, but what she says in the interview is my absence of knowledge was actually one of my strengths. Um, and, you know, so that was, she didn't know what she didn't know. And that actually helped her tremendously. Um, and so, sorry, I'm muting my um, Facebook. So, so her story, go, go find her story. And you'll see how obsessive she was about disrupting in that space. She spent two years working on a product concept before she would tell anybody about it. Um, and then she rolled it out and her story is remarkable. Now she's a billionaire. She owns a company hundred percent and multi-billion dollar company. Um, so that's a, as an example. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's innovative disruptor. And let me just say there are a few yeah, ways good. you can disrupt. Um, one is the product features, right? So the, you come out with a product with different features. Another one is the product, the form of it. What form does it take? Um, how does it actually get delivered to the customer? Another one is the, the methodology of delivery. Like, is it a recurring subscription? Like subscription box or innovation in the last few years, uh, monthly recurring, uh, you know, signups is, is an innovation. Um, and lots of niches and industries don't have those yet. Um, so there is, you know, a whole collection of ways in which you can innovate. The point is you've got you've to have something that sets you apart as differentiator. So that's the first, yep. first habit we wanted to talk about today. And, um, and hopefully that helps. Oh, I think that's, yeah, man, I, I, even if you just get that mindset as, as your launching pad, uh, we, we've talked about a, a few already, but this one right here, I think will really be the thing that pushes you towards the goals and success that you want. Once you start to clarify even a little bit, of, you don't even have to have a clear vision of where you're going to head. As long as you have a clear target of that obsession, yeah. whether yeah. that is up at the product level or at, even at the customer service level, 
right? I mean, or, or even at the customer level, because maybe you're like, I just want to serve this, this person. Yeah. And you're going to obsess about how you serve them the best. And that means going out and finding the product that meets their need and making yep. sure that it's super awesome and that it does everything that they're missing. And you, and you deliver that to the person because that's your obsession. And you are going to be so much further along than even the casual competitor in your, in your yep. space and in your niche. And you yep. will start to build your brand and have success. Absolutely right. Back to the Sarah Blakely example. One of the questions she was asking that interview was like, weren't you worried that like the big giant, you know, billion dollar companies were going to totally just come in and, and uh, take over. And, and her response was they tried, but she said, Mm -hmm. I was the most passionate about solving this specific problem. And my passion came through. And whereas theirs was just another product, nobody cared about it. They didn't, they didn't yep. care like she cared. So this exactly. innovative disruptor with the obsession over your product, absolutely huge, huge habit uh, that you see e-commerce sellers win with over and over. Okay, so the second one I'm to talk about today is being a learner at heart. Learner at heart. And, you know, so, so many um, e-commerce sellers, especially I always, I don't know why I always pick on the course creators, but maybe it's just because that's what we're the space we're in. But, you know, so many um, course creators and, and many um, entrepreneurs that are in the in the teaching expert guru space, they try to teach stuff that they think could sell, but they're not actually a real learner in the actual discipline that they're teaching. And so, you know, it's the Shopify expert. And then you say, where's your Shopify site? And they have no traffic or not even a website, you know I mean? So it's those types of situations where, you know, it's the, it's the teacher who hasn't actually learned. And we've all seen those people and we've all bought courses from those people. And you realize, oh, this is sort of thin on the details, but this learner at heart piece is incredibly, incredibly important. The, um, the thing that came to my mind when I was thinking about this one was Gary Kasparov. He's a, of course, the chess, famous chess genius. He was world grandmaster chess leader for like, I don't know, 20 years or something. Couldn't be beaten. His duels against IBM's deep blue computer were famous. Um, and he actually was the mm-hmm. coach of Carl Magnuson, which is now the leading dominant uh, world chess champion. And so if you're not in that space, just know Gary Kasparov is a big, big deal. Well, I heard an interview with him and he said, you know, there are um, three stages of learning. And this is really interesting for e-commerce sellers. And I, I you know, as, as we work with students, we see this all the time. The first stage is um, attention intensive stage where you've got to have a hundred percent of your mental and emotional energy on trying to do something. And it is all your attention is right. has got to be right there. And this is where fear and anxiety, depression, confusion, um, not, not failure and then trying to do it again and failure and failure. I mean, this is where you're, you have to say to yourself, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to learn this. This is going to suck. I'm going to be confused. I'm going to push my way through this. And that's like hyper intensive Mm -hmm. learning mode 
um, is that first first stage. Yeah. So that so I mean, so many people when they come to us for Shopify training, like how do I choose my theme? Well, here's let's talk about that. You know, how do you choose your theme? Yeah. And they're they're really like it's yeah, like yeah. really top of mind. Now, if Kyle and I set up a Shopify site, choosing a theme takes us about ten minutes. But if you've never done that before, we have a whole framework and methodology in our Shopify course about how to think about choosing your theme and why, you know, why to do a certain theme. But that's an example of, you know, when, you, when that's brand new to you, hyper attentive to detail. And that's real. It's a real challenging mental and emotional place to be. That's the first stage of learning. The second stage of learning is what yeah, he describes as the coordinated knowledge stage. This is where you have prior experience where you've made it work and you've coordinated your understanding mentally. You know, this is how I do this. And you've done it once or twice successfully. And so then you can repeat that successful outcome. Um, but, you, but you still have to think through, wait, what was my process? How do I do this? And this is the stage where you can get real spotty outcomes. Um, and we're all in these different learning stages, which is really interesting for different parts of our life. Um, but this is where you can get real success and real failure. And then you say to yourself in the failure, what did I forget? You know, what, what part of this, you know, did I, did I screw up on? Um, and then the, so that's the second stage. Now, um, the goal in that stage is to master the process. So you say, I can take this from a one-time special activity that I did to a repeatable, you know, uh, every day I can do this. Yep. You know, I understand the system. Um, and then the third stage is the stage where it's barely a thought, um, where you're just yeah. like, oh, I, oh I, I know how to do that. I got it. And a lot of us like at our jobs, yeah. you know, like after a year or two in our careers, yeah. our, our jobs, that's kind of the level we get to with our, with our profession, um, where you're just like, I got this. You need me to do that? Oh, okay. Yeah, no big deal. I can have it yeah. done by Tuesday. You know, you, you know yeah. how long it'll take. You know what you're doing. You don't need anybody's help. Or you, if you do, you know that. Um, and you just barely even think about it. You just go through the motions and you make stuff happen. Now, here's the interesting part about that third Sorry. stage. That third, third stage, that he, what Gary Kasparov said is, at that third stage is where you're very commonly plateaued in your outcomes mm -hmm. or your experiences. And I could see that immediately when he was talking about in my own e-commerce in our business, it's like, Oh, okay. We, we tried something, we mastered it. And then it's so easy for us. Now we're sort of plateaued. It's sort of stuck at that level. Yep. And then, so then the, the challenge for the learner is to say, why am I plateaued? It, it doesn't feel like hard work to be at the plateau. It actually feels kind of easy. But then it's like, okay, what's the next level of aspiration? What's the next level of um, outcome that I want to see happen? And how do I go back to that attention intensive stage and learn a new skill set to add so that that plateau then becomes the floor yeah. and you can go, okay, that was my, this is my stable plateau. Now I'm going to, I'm going to 2X that, or I'm going to 4X that. And here's how I'm going to get that done. And that's that whole, this is the whole process of the, the learner. And if you, I'll gotta be honest, if you're an e-commerce seller and you're not spending as much time 
thinking and and really digesting stuff and just just thinking about it as you are actively like you know button smashing doing um you won't be learning fast enough and a lot of this is about learning it's it's about assimilating um the skill sets to operate the business Mm -hmm. and then you get to a stable place and then you say okay how do i assimilate more skill sets so i can go to a, a new place um a higher place and uh, so this is a That's huge good. piece to me. So sorry, I didn't dominate the conversation, but yeah, no, I think, I think this is a fantastic piece. Uh, one of the questions would be the, like when you're in the first stage, how long is it going to take you to kind of go through that process? Um, uh, there's author, Josh Kaufman. He wrote a book called the first 20 hours. And it was basically on how you acquire skills. He's a researcher and he, he did like research and he, he doesn't, he like speaks on this topic. How do you, what does it take to actually acquire usable level of skill set? And he kind wow. of boiled it down that you can acquire almost any skill within about a 20 hours of actual doing that skill, but you need to make sure you're applying specific things in order to, to focus your time, your energy and have a feedback process to, to yeah. let you know how you're doing so that you can do self-assessment in that within that 20 hours. And if you follow that, then you'll have enough mastery of the skill in order to be able to do it. So it was a really okay. interesting uh, yeah. skim. I skimmed through part of it. So, so then, then you layer on top of that, the, um, the 10,000 hours principle stuff. Uh, Anders, Eric, exactly. Eric's, um, talks about and then that was made popular by um uh gladwell malcolm gladwell malcolm yeah and so the the idea there is what separates the journeyman or journey person the the, you know the veteran from the world class and so they did research in that specifically um, and saw that there was this threshold of somewhere but around ten thousand hours that was commonly invested into the practice to go from middle of the pack to world-class. And so, so your, that book by the Josh guy is like, how do you get into the competency game? And then how do you go from competent to expert? Um, And so the the huge B top 1%. Yeah. It's a big gap. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, and so that question is how is the, the real question everybody asks is, can you hack that 10,000 hours and get to world class in a, you know, in six months? Um, and so, yeah, and that'd be the question or, or do you need to be, uh, well, sorry, one of the things I was thinking about was like, do you need to hit 10,000? Do you have to, right. in order to, to scale your e-commerce business, do you need to be the top 1% e-commerce seller in the world? Right. Probably not. If you've niched down properly yeah. enough, you could probably, once you mastered yeah. it, you're going to be making money and you're going to be making sales. Um, but yeah, anyway, that, that's the thought. But here's the interesting part too, because just to riff on that idea. So it depends on who you're competing against because- what exactly. I, that was, what I exactly. Always, that was my next point. Yeah. What I say is like in, if you go into a niche that literally has no one paying attention to it, like maybe it's such a small thing that the big companies have like some person that manages a portfolio of 10 products and this is their 10th lo- lowest one on their own list and they're in a yeah. big company. 
that you're competing with somebody who's giving one tenth of their mental and emotional energy to marketing. Mm -hmm. And you go in and say, I'm going to give 110% of my time and energy to win in that space. And I'm not trying to beat everything else for everything else. I'm just going to dominate that one tiny corner of the internet. Um, You don't have to be world-class. You could just basically go into a lot of those niches and say, look, I'm the only one showing up (laughs) and I don't even know half the stuff I'm supposed to be doing, but no one else is even trying. So to me, that's a huge piece where exactly the expertise there is learning about categories and niches so that you can basically be in like Warren Buffett says, if you want to be known as a good business person, be sure to get into a good business. And, you know, if you want to be Mm world-class, be sure that you get into a niche where you're not competing against, you know, who, who Elon Musk, you know, don't go into those niches. Um, You know, and we've all done it before. I've I launched a, you know, helped launch a coffee product for our charity. So that was cool. And it's still making us money. Will I ever beat the people who are marketing coffee? No way, dude. Because I I knew going in, I was not going to compete head to head with the time, energy, skill sets, and enthusiasm, expertise that they bring to that party. So I kind of knew that. So I kind of was like, okay, we're going to do this, but I know I'm not going to be number one in the world at this, but every entrepreneur has to be thinking through how do I learn about products, niches, industry categories so much so that I can choose a battlefield or a battleground where I can be the biggest guy on the the field um, or the only guy or gal on the field. Um, Because really that's setting yourself up for success so that your learning can be slower you don't have to be, you know, incredible. You can just be average. Uh, so you get the idea. Uh, that's a huge part of it. Um, yeah. Okay. No, that's fantastic. That's um, really great advice. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we don't consider that stuff. Picking products yeah. and categories and what we're going after. So yeah. Powerful lesson. Well, I, I mean, I spent 10 years failing at that. I spent 10 years thinking about what, what products I could go into what niches and uh, for literally for 10 years, I would come up with dumb ideas that I thought were good ideas, but then in hindsight, they were just wrong ideas until finally we said, well, what could we sell on eBay? And that led us right to, you know, our niche. And it was a defensible niche. And so I learned this. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't learn it the hard way by losing a lot of money. I learned it the hard way by losing literally 10 years. And of just okay. thinking wrongly um, about that one thing. And in and, and that 10-year period, that's, this is the interesting part to me. This is why I'm so passionate about this. In that 10-year period, I wasn't trying to not learn. I was trying to figure mm-hmm. out what product I could bring to market that would work. I just, I was thinking about it and never acting so then I wouldn't learn a lesson thoroughly. It was like it was theoretical to me. It never became in the muscle memory of what we were actually doing. We never actually failed enough 
to learn the lessons of niche selection, if yep. that makes any sense. Um, we just, yeah, yeah, I, no, it makes sense. I, I created in my mind, then I failed in my mind, but I didn't actually learn the real lessons. And 10 years later, we finally broke through that barrier, but this was a huge one for me. Um, anyway, so that's the, the learning, um, you know, at heart mindset or habit. And it's a tough one. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm incredibly passionate about helping people get through that uh, resistance level and that barrier. Um, yep. And uh, when you, if you're hungry and if you're doing these habits, you will break through that. And if you're watching this you right now and you see sure. yourself, I'm, I don't have, I'm not at the place with our e-commerce sales that I want to be. Then all I can say is learn from what you're doing. Take feedback from what's happening. Think about what's not working or is working and go into further and further the direction of customer yeah. responsiveness, customer appreciation, customer need, customer requests, all of those things where you're learning yeah. from customers what they actually want, not what you think you could sell. Um, so anyway, so we can go on and yeah. on about that one. But let's talk about the, let's talk about the third one. Yeah. Third um, leader mindset, uh, third mindset for, uh, and, and habit for e-commerce rainmakers that we want to talk about today is the leader mindset. And the leader mindset is really, really interesting to me because here's sort of the, the overview of this one. When, when you're a nine to five employee, you're never the leader. Even when you're the CEO, you have a board of directors. Right. So, you know, I mean, if you're the chairman of the board, I mean, at some point you say, okay, the CEO's in charge or the chairman of the board's in charge. But <laughs> all of us generally that have grown up in working for other people, we know what it feels like to be an employee. And we know what it feels like to be led well or led marginally or led poorly. And so much of our own mindset is sort of in the follower thinking. And you might not realize it, but as soon as you say to yourself, I'm going to start selling online, you're announcing that you are the leader of your business. And the leader mindset is very, very different than the follower mindset. And so, you know, there's just principles around this that you have, you have to change your thinking to say, I'm, I'm literally like in charge of what happens. And there's a great book that I, I always used to like. I like the title more than I like the whole book, but it's by Robert Schuler, the guy who created the Crystal Cathedral. Like it was a big deal like 20 years ago. And the book title was, If It's Going to Be, It's Up to Me. And I always like the, the emphasis of that, that phrase because it really puts the leadership burden squarely on you. Now, a lot of people would say, well, I'm not sure if that's true or not. But in reality, here's what the, the leadership situation is. I've got a couple points to make. The first rule of leadership, according to Jason Miles, is progress toward any goal. <laughs> <laughs> progress towards any goal depends on someone <laughs> taking the lead to reach that destination. So e-commerce sales mm -hmm. is about a destination. It is about an outcome that occurs for the customer and for you as a seller. And if any progress is going to be made, 
someone's going to say, here are the decision points we're taking, the steps we're taking to get to that successful outcome. And when you're the entrepreneur, that's you. I mean, you're the one that makes the hard choices about what you do. And frequently at the beginning, you're only leading yourself. You know, and you're like, Mm -hmm. you, you just have your own time you're not bossing around anybody. You're just saying it's seven o'clock at night. I'm playing PlayStation. Cause I like Tom Clancy's right. rainbow six a lot. And, or I could be yeah. trying to figure out how to make money, you know, or you're sitting on the couch at eight o'clock at night and you're like, I just want to watch TV. But then you say to yourself, wait a minute, the yeah. boss in me, the boss mindset says, um, how about if you actually do some work? Um, and that whole game yeah. of leading yourself is step one um, in terms of the leadership process. Um, I don't know. Thoughts on that? I've got a couple other ideas, but. Well, the first thing that's come to my head while, while you're talking about that and you're like, you know, you're just leading yourself. You're your own boss. And I'm like, man, if your glass door reviews are terrible and you're your own boss, <laughs> you definitely have an issue. Uh, you need to resolve managerial <laughs> style. Uh, but the, the second thing with that is, first of all, when's the Jason Leadership book coming out? Because I think that would be a great read. No. Uh, but second, you have to take uh, one of the biggest transitions, I think, to an entrepreneur is ownership. You have to mentally yep. take ownership. And that's really what, what the leadership manifests itself as. Like yep. you, you start owning the process, you start owning the results and therefore you are leading the charge. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I mean, once you begin to own it, you'll start to begin to lead. Totally agree. hundred percent. My second rule of leadership. And by the way, I, I honestly, this is one of those situations where I personally feel like a failure at this in my own operations. Uh, I don't, I don't claim any mastery of this. I personally feel like I'm, I'm genetically wired to be a bad leader. <laughs> so it's just because of a few of my personality traits and the style in which I work and communicate. I don't think I'm good at this. Um, and so, but it's a, but it's a challenge. I mean, then I think to myself, well, no one else is going to do it, you know? So, I mean, I've had these actual conversations with cinnamon and she said, no, no, you, no, you get to be the leader. She doesn't want to be the leader. She wants, you know, but so then I'm like, no, I don't really, I'm not good at this either. It's your business. And she's like, no, I don't want to do that. So then, so we have this dance that we do where we, but at the end of the day, the leader has to say, if we're going to hit this goal, here's the goal <laughs> and we want to hit it together. Here's how we're going to do it. That That's the job of the leader. So the second big job of the leader is what you just described, which what, what I would say is things fall apart when the leader's confused, yeah. ineffective, or simply wrong about the correct way forward. And this gets to the idea of, um, of extreme ownership. In fact, the book that um, is the no, you know, like a number one New York Times oh, bestseller nice. right now is that you just mentioned was in, in essence, this extreme ownership uh, concept. This is uh, Jocko Willink is the author. He was a Navy SEAL. And um, I've listened to his podcast as well. He brings the Navy SEAL mindset. But this book, I, generally, I do audiobooks, and But I was in Barnes and Noble yesterday. And 
I saw this book. I saw, I had heard his podcast. So I just opened the book. You know, you just do that flop open kind of thing where you're like, okay, what's this page say right here? I opened the book and it's about simplicity. And he tells this whole story about this gun battle in uh, Afghanistan or Iraq. I didn't even know where he was talking about and how, because of the complexity someone wanted to introduce into the situation, he knew it was going to be really like dangerous people would get killed. And so his whole mission in the pre-battle was to simplify, simplify, simplify. And then he applied it to business. And I was like, oh, I got to get this book. This book looks, I mean, it, so I haven't even read it, the whole thing yet, but um, just the concept of it, extreme ownership, how U.S. Navy SEALs lead and win is what you're describing. And, and a lot of times what happens That's for us cool. is we've got something going, like we're selling online, we're selling on Amazon, we're selling on eBay, we're selling on Etsy, we're selling on Shopify. And we have something that's, we have a state that we're in. Maybe it's complete no sales, or maybe it's a thousand bucks a month. Maybe it's, you know, we're, at, we're stuck at 20,000 a month or whatever. Um, and then the, the question is always, what is the next best way forward? Because all of us generally want to, you know, increase income. And, um, but it's, these are not obvious you know, these are not obvious decision points. And so, um, but, the, the, but the kernel of the idea is it's the leader's job to say, are we plateaued? And how do we take that next step? And am I confused or am I clear? Do I actually know what the best way is or am I just like making it up? Have I gotten a model? Have I gotten input from experts? I mean, like, that's why, that's why mentoring and coaching is so critical. It's not the technical skill. Kyle and I yeah. could teach you how to set up a Shopify site in like five minutes, but you could go hire somebody to do that. That's not the skill. The skill is how do you do it in a way that takes you to next level, next level, next level. And that's the hard work. And, and it's yeah. not like magic. We can't make it work for everybody, but we definitely know what's fa what failure looks like. And we definitely know what other people are doing that are succeeding yeah. and what's helped in our own businesses. And that's why modeling... And mentorship is, is literally so, so critical. Um, so here's the, here's the third rule of leadership. Um, the leader's responsible for the current state of the operation. Whether they take that responsibility and use it to motivate them for future growth is actually up to them. So for example, like in my business, everybody associated with, with my business is assuming I'm responsible because I am responsible. And in their mind, if this is going to go well or poorly, it's, it's, I mean, they're, they're pointing the finger at me. And now whether I actually own that or not is, is, is actually one of the biggest leadership challenges because a lot of times leaders can actually deflect that responsibility. And, or what commonly happens is just make, they make excuses. Well, it wasn't our, it wasn't our company's fault is the whole industry that was failing or, you know, it wasn't our fault. We had a perfect plan. We had a perfect product. We had perfect everything, but our competitor did this, you know? So this, this mm -hmm. subtle art of deflection 
is very, very um, like our minds are wired to do that. We, we want to defend ourselves and our, defend our emotional health. Um, but a, a leader will peel that back and say, no, uh, here's, here's four or five ways I screwed this up real bad. And then you got to motivate yourself to, to fix it and to move forward. So, so that third rule in my mind is critical is, and that gets back again to the extreme ownership I get, I guess, but it's actually extreme ownership for motivation, um, you know, and for saying, okay, I'm going to take, take something to the next level. Um, so leadership mindset, other thoughts on that? Anything else come to mind in terms of experiences or I, I think that it's, it's easy to get like just to, to, to shift to, to put blame on on the circumstances i mean you nailed yeah. it like it's in the fact yeah I, you'd be most people like that's going to be at some level their their go-to they're, they're going to find a way to, to deflect that and i think really an example of true leadership is saying even even if it was outside of your control as a leader like somebody did in fact do something you couldn't control you can still take ownership of that by saying, well, how am I going to steer our company? How am I going to steer my, our response around the yep. thing I can't control yep. and really own what I can control about uh, my business situation or what's happening in it? And that allows yep. you to could not be a, this passive person who's just letting the market beat you or letting your competitor yep. beat you but you're adapting and you're moving and you're providing actual leadership because that's what leaders do. As a leader, you will be wrong. Like as an entrepreneur, you will make mistakes. And if you're not making mistakes, you're not really an entrepreneur and you're not really trying hard enough. Like you need to get out there and you need to fail, but build into your process an opportunity for self-reflection and measurement, right? Measure, determine why you failed. And own that and build that into the next step and the next phase. And that's how you succeed. Big companies fail at time. Amazon, they they have a a long, long history of failure. But you know what they're really, really good at? Adapting quickly. And they just go through and they innovate and they take that, what they learned in that failure and they they make it happen. I think I shared with you one time the story. One of the I I know a guy who's a senior manager at Amazon and he was talking about when, when Amazon first launched their Amazon basics brand it was the just their branded product they they had never really done sourcing before okay. they uh this is their first shot at it and they they went they did it they tried to put the team together and they went for it and it flopped and, and then they had wow. this big meeting and powwow and and the guy at the top said you know what i take full responsibility for wow. this this was my fault i didn't i didn't uh, uh, i didn't take and put the right people together to make this actually happen and because everyone was like in the dumps, they thought they were going to get yelled at. And he's like, nope, this is all on me. I take full responsibility of this senior VP guy. And the room kind of lit up a little bit. And then they were actually having constructive flow freeing dialogue yeah. on what they think would have been better because he took ownership of that saying, I know this is my bad. I didn't put the right pieces together, but how can we make this better? And that was the question that was asked. And then that, that happened and it kind of was magic in the room. Wow. And then what happened after that, they launched the next brand and it was a success. And now they've launched, you know, hundreds of Amazon basic brands and they just added the machine and they figured it out. So, dude, that is, that is a really, really interesting story. So, but part of that is like vulnerability. There's a, there's a vulnerability in, in taking that responsibility where you say to everybody, look, this has failed. I'm not blaming anybody. 
there isn't any, there isn't any part of this that yeah. I'm trying to blame. Not, nobody on my team, nobody else, nobody else in the industry. Yeah. I'm saying I didn't do this right. Now, two, two thoughts come to my mind. One is this, uh, this book, the, pay, the one page that I read, the guy actually said, <laughs> um, he said, what separates the seals, and I'm poorly fair, paraphrasing, but he said, what separates frequently well-trained seals from uh, others is they will not get themselves in a situation for failure that they, they, they are going to put themselves in a, uh, in a position um, with prior planning, prior training, prior preparation, so that they aren't in a screwed up situation. And that's, that's part of the leader's job is to say, okay, how do I dodge yep. the bullets that are going to be coming at me by just not being in that situation? Um, I heard, I don't think it was him, but somebody else who was also mm-hmm. a Navy SEAL trainer, I think it was the guy who trained Chris Kyle. Somebody said, are, you, are the Navy SEALs basically like Jason Bourne in the Bourne movies? And then the guy, was, the guy said, no, that's, he, he said, he's the worst example of what Navy SEALs never are because Navy SEALs never get themselves handcuffed in an interview room in the middle of the FBI building. Like we won't be in that situation (laughs) to have to use judo or whatever. That's That's just not what we do. And it was interesting because it wasn't about the special, how do you get out of the problems tricks? It was don't get in those problems. Um, mindset. And then, okay, one other quote that came to my mind, right, when you were saying um, the idea about working on hard problems. There's a new Nobel laureate guy, a guy who won the Nobel Prize, and I, I forget his name, I could look up the quote. But I love the, the sentiment of his quote, he said, if you're not making mistakes, you're not working on hard enough problems. And that is a major mm-hmm. mistake. So there's like this circular Ooh, logic a little bit is like, if you're not making mistakes, you're not working on hard enough problems, and that is a major mistake. And there's just some simplicity to that quote that I always think about. Okay, and that's the idea, again, of this plateauing you can get at um, in the leader mindset where you really have to say to yourself, okay, wait, I'm going to be on point as the leader to learn the next level yeah. so that we can get off this plateau and into a higher, better place. And, you know, that's the hard work of, of leadership. So there you go. So the first rule of leadership is progress towards any goal depends on someone taking the lead to reach the destination. Second rule is things fall apart when the leader is confused, ineffective, or simply wrong. The third rule of leadership is leadership, leader, leader is responsible for the current state of the operation, whether they own that or not is really uh, you know, up to them, but the reality is they are responsible for the current state. Um, so there you have it. There, those are our three uh, habits for today. Good uh, stuff. Leader mindset, uh, learner at heart, and an innovative disruptor uh, personality or habit. And um, if you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, wow, how, you know, how do we integrate all this? It's one brick at a time, right? You just put one piece in place at a time. And we're all uh, working on these skill sets, these, these habits and these, these skill sets, some of these, every leader is, is working. There's no master in some of these, you know, everyone's a student, everyone's trying and struggling 
uh, and working hard towards mastery in some of these. We're all on the journey together. And um, that's, that's the thing that's fun about our inner circle and about working with one-on-one yeah. uh, -on -one coaching yeah. clients. Kyle and I will be in a meeting several hours this afternoon with one of our one-on-one -on -one, uh, clients. And uh, if you're not familiar, sometimes we should go through our business model where we actually <laughs> explain to people you know, how we work with yeah, we folks, should. but uh, we've got the inner circle program. If you're not a part of the inner circle program, you're listening to this, uh, you can join that for 19 bucks a month, for goodness sakes. Um, and then that gives you access to us. That's deal in town. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Access to our training, access to us, access to us. We do a 30 minute welcome uh, video call. And uh, right now we're also doing the uh, traffic breakthroughs sessions with our inner circle where we go through nine sources of internet referral traffic in detail and apply them to our uh, inner circle members, uh, e-commerce businesses, and really plot out with them, have them plot out how they can use the nine sources of internet traffic to enhance and improve their business. So that's a free thing we're doing right now with the inner circle members. And uh, then, of course, we have one-on-one -on -one consulting as well that we do. So you can check out all of that on winningonshopify.com, our, our main homepage uh, website. And we also have a ton of blog posts there as well, um, where we dive into traffic, Shopify tactics, uh, on and on, Facebook strategy, advertising strategy, blogging strategy, contest strategy, uh, so much good stuff there in, in terms of uh, free resources as well. So um, other thoughts, my man, Absolutely. anything else I've forgotten here in our last little wrap up moment? Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, being in the right community with the right people. Maybe you're like listening to this at some point in the future, live down the road. And you're like, I have never heard anyone start talking about these principles as it relates to, you know, my e-commerce business. Like you're not like telling me just turn on a Facebook ad or, you know, set up an Instagram account and all of those are great tactics, but all tactics flow from the right business model, the right strategies, and ultimately the right person with the right thinking as the entrepreneur. And that's where it starts. So we're, we're starting, this is foundational level stuff that in order to kind of get long lasting results, anyone can have flash in the pan results, yeah. uh, but you want to be able to build a business that lasts a long time and that you can eventually sell one day if you want to. And so that's what we're, that's what we're about creating long lasting, solid entrepreneurs. And that's Absolutely. what this is. This is what these 32 habits um, are all building towards. So you start with where you're at and you keep on going. And you know what, here's, here's something else that came to mind as we were kind of talking through these and we're sure. talking about, you know, we're all at kind of different levels and moving through different, but every time an entrepreneur, or I mean, Jason could be me, it could be anybody. We, we strive for that next level we end up restarting the process in some ways. I mean, we are actually, we have this baseline of stuff that we established for skills, but we're, we're learning something new. We're in the same place. We're like, Oh, I'm trying to figure this out. You know, like, Oh, yeah. am I, am I going to blame this scenario that it didn't yeah. work or am I taking it? Like you're starting again and you're just going to keep on leveling and going and going. So no matter who you are and where you're at in your business, you're going to go through these cycles. So yeah. having these principles laid out, will help you, uh, I think, reframe your thinking, give you kind of the, the guideposts to go back to and just like make sure that you're being consistent to the principles that'll get you where you want to go. Yep, absolutely, totally agree. A lot of people call that first principles, you know, so in any discipline or whatever, there's sort of base 
it's almost like in science, you know, where they're like, the, the, there's the fundamentals, you know, that you can't tamper yeah. with. And in any exactly. discipline, any expertise yeah. area, trade skill, you have a set of kind of core disciplines. And, and as we go through, I mean, if you're listening to this and you think, wow, you're already up to like, whatever we are, 10 or so habits, we've actually got a whole set coming up that will all be about trade skill and actually the habits of an e-commerce seller that are the disciplines and habits that lead to success that the Rainmakers have on full lockdown, where if you look at a Rainmaker, they'll just be doing this stuff every day. They know exactly what they're doing. And if you look at somebody who's learning or isn't there yet, and you ask them about it, they're like, oh yeah, I don't do that. And there's real clarity and differentiation between a Rainmaker e-commerce seller and somebody who is a wannabe or entry level or sort of starting out level. Um, and so we're, we're going to get into those. So I know a lot of these habits so far have been sort of the mind game and sort of the, the mental, um, you yep. know, sort of approach. But in the, in the sections coming up, we're going to drill into the very, very practical trade skill habits um, that e-commerce sellers execute on effectively all the time. So be looking for that. Uh, I think we're going to end up with 10 or 11 of these uh, videos that are 32 habits. This is turning into a monster. <laughs> it's going to be a monster free course ultimately this on is, Udemy, uh, which will be cool. So, Yeah, this is going to be, uh, I mean, it's, it's great content. I enjoy just going through them and working through and taking yeah. notes and it's been great. Yeah. Good, good times, man. All right. So I'm going to see you uh, later today up with our client hanging out all afternoon with our, our, yeah, just a couple hours. Um, and yep. for those of you watching that are in our inner circle program, please, if you have questions about anything we've talked about, of course, hit us up in the private Facebook group. Uh, if you're watching this in the future on Udemy and have questions about it, feel free to hit us up through the instructor, uh, you know, uh, communication tool. And we'd love to answer your questions. We really love helping, answering, talking to people about every point at which they're on, um, you know, on their journey. And so don't hesitate uh, to ask us. We promise we'll be um, nice. We'll be cool. Um, Non-judgmental in any way, because honestly, every time we talk about any of these things, we've got four fingers pointing back at us. And can think oh, of all of the ways in which like, we fail. I mean, I'm going through. I'm going through these things. I'm like, oh yeah, man, I got to make a note about that. And uh, I mean, there's definitely things that we are working on. And one more thing: if you're watching this on Facebook, either you've watched this live or on a replay that's out there, please share this. Please comment. Please like it. Please let us know. Give us feedback. Yeah. Let us know if this is helping you in your that's business and your mindset because uh, we want to be giving you. Uh, value and we want to know that you're getting value from it. So help us do that. And that would be so awesome. Yeah, totally agree. hundred percent. All right, my man, this is great stuff. Really, really enjoy hanging out with you as always. So we'll uh, wrap it up here. It's been a blast and I'm waiting for the, waiting for the Jason miles leadership book. (laughs) Not going to happen, dude. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man let me fail for a few more decades try to get one, one could only try one can only try uh, awesome uh, uh, all right that's dude. the process that's the book right there how to get better yeah. see you later all right see you bye. man bye 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the e-commerce leader. Hey, don't forget to subscribe because when you do, you'll get notified. And next time you log into your podcast player, you'll see our latest episode nestling at the top of your lists. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>